What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in this video, I'm gonna be jumping into my running back start sits heading into week seven, going through every single week seven matchup, listing every fantasy relevant running back as either a start or a sit. And just so you guys know, there are gonna be timestamps in the description. So if you guys wanna jump around to your specific players, that is totally cool. Just do me a huge favor, hit that like button. If you are not subscribed, subscribe to the channel. And if you have any fantasy questions, doesn't have to be start sit related, you can drop those down below and I will be getting back to every single person. But let's just jump right into the Thursday night football game. And this is, I think, the first time all season I've just left a team completely blank. So let's just go into the Saints first. This one's obvious. We're obviously firing up Alvin Kamara. He's been super involved as a pass catcher the last few weeks. Just need to see him get into the end zone. So that's clear. Kamara's a start. For this Cardinals offense, I just have no idea what's going on with this running back room. And it's not like usage related. It's just straight up injuries. So we saw both Connor and Williams miss on Sunday. So we saw Eno Benjamin operate as the number one with uh, Keontae Ingram kind of filling in there, a dude out of USC that I liked as a prospect. So good to see him out there. But now we have Eno Benjamin who's banged up. So basically we just have their top three running backs questionable heading into this Thursday night football game. So I literally just cannot give a start sit take right now. I would say if Connor's healthy, he's a start. I guess if Connor and um, Williams are both out, then I guess Eno's like a fringe option. But this is just a situation we're gonna have to monitor because it is just very, very ugly at this current moment. Now moving over to the Sunday slate, we're gonna start it off with the Browns taking on the Ravens. For the Browns, we have both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt coming off of down games. I still think we're firing up Nick Chubb as a locked-in running back one. And I think Kareem Hunt is in like that high-end running back three territory. He hasn't really been lighting up the stat sheet, but I still think he's someone you can put into your lineup. This was really like the first game all season long where he's just had zero floor. Like even in his underperforming games earlier in the season, he was giving you eight, nine, 10 points per game. So I think he can bounce back from this. On the other side with the Ravens, I feel like this is kind of a backfield. We're just going to have to be fading until we get some clear answers here. Obviously, the guy we want to be starting here is J.K. Dobbins. You know, he's the guy people were hyped about coming into the season, had a super strong rookie season. We all want to see him operate as the number one. Then he goes out on Sunday, has a 27% snap share, and then basically like his knee tightened up. So I believe he was held out of the entire second half. Obviously, even if he was playing the full game, it's not like he was going to be getting a massive snap share. He was basically on track to finish at around 50% snap share. Just hasn't been good enough so far. The three games before that, 44.1%. 51.6% and then 39%. The usage has just not been there for him. And so I just don't think he's playable at this point. Then with J.K. Dobbins missing time, we see Kenyon Drake step in, take advantage of it. He rushes for 119 yards and a touchdown, but he still only you know totals 10 carries, two targets. And I don't think Drake really has that role locked up. Justice Hill is lurking. He's been banged up. We never know when the Ravens are just gonna run Mike Davis out there for a goal line carry. So just a really gross situation at the moment. I definitely think J.K. Dobbins is going to be the answer long-term, but in the short term, I feel like the answer is just kind of fading all of these dudes because I'm not trying to you know pick around what player is going to be the number two in front of J.K. Dobbins, and then Dobbins might get the goal line carries. It's just a spot where I want to be avoiding. Moving over to this next matchup, we have two stud running back ones, Buccaneers taking on the Panthers. For the Bucs, even with their offensive struggles, Leonard Fournette is still producing, super involved as a pass catcher. I'm going to dive more into this Bucks offense, probably in the quarterback start set. I've got some things to say about their play calling 
and just their overall use of their weapons. So stay tuned for that. But for Leonard Fournette, I mean, he's producing in an offense where they're not putting up a ton of points. He's still giving you receiving production. They're running him a ton, even if it's super inefficient. So he is still a very high-end start, sitting Rashad White, the best handcuff in the NFL. And then for the Panthers, regardless of everything, you know, just burning around him, he just continues to ball out, giving you numbers, giving you solid production as a pass catcher. So he's a high-end running back one start. Then we have the Falcons taking on the Bengals. And I do kind of want to talk about this uh, Falcons offense because I feel like it's very tough to have the number of carries that they have and then to just still not have running backs that I trust in my lineup. I have both Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley listed as starts. And that's kind of wild because we have Algier coming off of a 15-carry day and then Huntley coming off of a 16-carry day. The issue is... These guys just have very low floors and very low ceilings. So even though they have this solid workload, each guy getting 15 plus carries, neither of these players saw a target. And even with that volume, neither player scored six points. That's pretty crazy right there. You're looking at, you know, 15 touches for both of those guys. Not one guy could get over six points. You've got solid weapons on the goal line. You know, Mariota can vulture. Pitts is down there. Drake London is down there. So these are guys I just want to be fading. It's a committee. And it's in an offense that I just don't want to be super involved in really anywhere at this point. Like uh, Arthur Smith, he's winning games. He's keeping games close. But as we know, Arthur Smith not exactly feeding the guys we want for fantasy. And then on the other side with the Bengals, continue to fire up Joe Mixon. Has just gotten pretty unlucky when you look at his overall workload. He's someone that I still think is a locked in top 10 running back moving forward. Then we have the Lions taking on the Cowboys. And now I'm expecting DeAndre Swift to be ready to play in this game. Basically, the thing that we were hearing was that they were going to rest him for two weeks. They were going to have the bye, and then he'd be good to go. So right now, I'm assuming Swift is going to be starting. If Swift is starting, I have him as a locked-in start, sitting Jamal Williams. On the other side with the Cowboys, I have Zeke listed as a start, and then Tony Pollard on the fringe here. So from what we've heard so far, Dak Prescott is expected to make his return here in week seven. I think this is a huge boost to both of these running backs, but in my opinion, especially Zeke. Zeke is averaging 15.7 carries per game through six weeks. That's super, super strong volume, especially when you have Dak coming in, that touchdown upside's going up. He also saw a uh, season high 21 routes run on Sunday. So that could be a solid sign moving forward if he's gonna be more involved as a pass catcher. I think Pollard also gets a bump, but I do think Zeke is still gonna be the better option moving forward. He's going to have the touchdown upside. He just has that locked-in role on the ground. So I like Zeke as a start this week. Someone who's definitely going to be trending up rest of season. Next game, we have the Giants taking on the Jaguars. For the Giants, don't really need to spend any time here. Saquon's obviously a start in your lineup. And then for the Jaguars, this one may be a little controversial. I have ETN listed as a start, not even on the fringe. And then I have James Robinson as a sit. And let me kind of tell you guys why here. So we just saw another game of Travis Etienne out snapping James Robinson. I believe that is three weeks in a row. And the whole thing here, right, was like it's game script dependent. If the Jaguars go up early, they're going to ride James Robinson. If the Jaguars go down, that's going to favor Travis Etienne. If it's some sort of middle game script, I guess we'd kind of wait and see. The thing is here that this was a competitive game. Like the Jaguars led in the first half and then it was back and forth in the third and fourth quarter. And we still saw ETN kind of take the majority of the snaps. I think he's just going to continue to trend upwards. J-Rob probably going to continue to trend down. We just look at the numbers between these guys. 
ETN just continues to be wildly more efficient. I know there's going to be flaws in like yards per carry and, you know, yards per reception, but it's just such a huge difference. ETN is at 5.6 yards per carry. That is to James Robinson's 4.2. And then ETN is at 11.2 yards per reception to James Robinson's 5.1. When ETN is on the field and he has the ball, he just looks like the better, more explosive option. We're looking at ETN over the last two weeks. 14.4 and 12.8 PPR points per game. That's without getting into the end zone. James Robinson over the last three weeks has 15.3 total points. So I just think they're going to continue to kind of go in different directions rest of season. And I do like Travis Etienne moving forward. Then we have a matchup of potential workhorses, the Colts taking on the Titans. For the Colts, I'm going to be expecting JT to be back for this one. Obviously, if JT is playing, you're firing him up. If JT is out, I guess we're looking at uh, Deion Jackson, but he also is a little bit banged up. A lot of these backfields have these injuries going on, which kind of makes it tough to predict. But I do think Jonathan Taylor is going to play. It seemed like it was kind of a surprise that he didn't play on Sunday. So I would expect him to be ready to go in week seven. On the other side with the Titans, you're obviously firing up Derrick Henry as a solid, solid running back one. And then sitting Dontrell Hilliard, He's actually had some decent production. I believe he's averaging around 11 points per game in PPR. That's not terrible. A lot of that is on the uh, back of touchdowns. And I just can't be trusting two running backs here. Derrick Henry is the clear workhorse dominating the touches. Hilliard, you're just kind of banking on him scoring a receiving touchdown. Now moving over to the uh, Packers-Commanders matchup. This Packers offense continues to disappoint. I still think we have to fire up Aaron Jones as a start but it's just a gross situation. I kind of talked about A.J. Dillon last week as to how he saw a big drop in his snap share. That kind of bounced back up here in week six. So the concern isn't really with his usage anymore. It's just the fact that he's still not giving you fantasy production. I still think he's a fringe start. We have to continue to chase the volume, but this is definitely not going to be like a high upside Packers offense. Like the offense is just not good. They have not shown us that they are a good unit. So you can play for the volume. He was decently involved as a pass catcher this past week, but definitely not someone who you know you're married to having into your lineup. On the other side with the commanders, you guys probably aren't going to love this. I have Brian Robinson like right on the fringe, and then I'm sitting JD McKissick and Antonio Gibson. If you guys want to hear like a super in-depth breakdown on what I think about Brian Robinson, I talked about him as a sell high. So if you guys uh, go check out that video, I'll be talking about him there. Basically, you know, the short synopsis, He's getting the early down work. He's an early down grinder, getting the goal line opportunities. Basically, no receiving upside. I just don't love that role in a commander's offense. So I think he's on the fringe with bye weeks because he does have that touchdown potential. Like if I was to bank on one of these running backs getting into the end zone, it would be B-Rob, but it's not something I'm expecting uh, consistently. So a fantastic story, but you know, fantasy-wise, not someone that I'm loving moving forward, at least in terms of being like a locked in start. And I do think you can sell high on him. Then we have the Jets taking on the Broncos. For the Jets, we just continue to fire up Brees Hall as an absolute stud. This dude is going to be a top 10 pick in redraft next year. I feel like we can basically take that to the bank now, maybe even higher. He's been an absolute stud. This Jets team is trending up. Even when the passing attack hasn't been great, Brees Hall just continues to produce. And then sitting Michael Carter, who's kind of just being left in the dust here by Brees Hall. For the Broncos, God, I mean, I feel bad for everyone who had to sit through that entire uh, Monday night. I obviously had to do the same thing, but just a brutal game to watch. 
a really kind of gross backfield split again. It looks like Melvin Gordon's not the guy moving forward. They saw Latavius Murray take the bulk of the carries, and then we saw Mike Boone getting involved in the receiving game. So just a gross split between kind of journeyman running backs at this point. I'm sitting Murray. I'm sitting Gordon. I'm sitting Mike Boone. You know, maybe Murray would be the best option here, but I can't trust an early down grinder on a terrible offense that cannot move the ball. So that's my take on that Broncos offense. Then we have the Texans taking on the Raiders. We'll get to see Damian Pierce again this week. Obviously not a great matchup in terms of what you would expect the game script to be, but so far he's proved that he can produce no matter what the game script is. Even when they're behind, they're still going to feed him. So I think he's a locked in surefire start. On the other side with the Raiders, Josh Jacobs is probably a top 10 running back moving forward. He has been an absolute monster out of that backfield. So a start that I definitely love in my lineup. Another game with a really solid running back matchup. We have the Seahawks taking on the Chargers. For the Seahawks, I do want to talk about Kenneth Walker here because he had a very, very impressive first start. I don't know if you guys saw any of this game. It kind of seemed crazy to me that this dude was sitting behind Rashad Penny. Like Rashad Penny, super solid running back. But Kenneth Walker just looked like the truth. 21 carries, 97 rushing yards, a rushing touchdown. Also was targeted three times, caught two of them for 13 yards. So I'm not ready to go out and say that Kenneth Walker is like a locked in three down workhorse, but his usage was very, very strong. He had 69% of the snaps. He had a 39% route participation. He took 86% of the early downs and then 55% of the third down work. The one spot where he's just kind of totally phased out of so far has been the two minute drill snaps. He didn't take any of those. I think that's something it's totally possible. He kind of works into that in the future. But the positive here is that you don't have like another, you know, really strong running back nipping at his heels. You've got to change a pace guy in DJ Dallas. It's not like Rashad Penny who had Kenneth Walker behind him. He's got nobody behind him. He's going to be a borderline running back one rest of season. And I think he's a super, super strong start. On the other side with the Chargers, as long as Keenan Allen continues to miss time, Justin Herbert is just peppering Austin Eckler with targets. Obviously, you'd be starting him regardless of Keenan's health but he's definitely going to be a high-end running back one. Then we have the Chiefs taking on the 49ers. And for the Chiefs, it kind of seems like, you know, we're in this iffy situation where CEH may not be the best option anymore. I have him listed as a fringe start sitting Jarek McKinnon. And this is something I kind of been talking about. Like CEH was a really strong start for a while. He was getting the touchdowns. We're riding the hot hand, but it was a very, very fragile situation because all they need to do is switch out his usage a little bit He's not this locked in, you know, like top running back. They switch out that usage. He becomes almost useless for fantasy football. This usage against the Bills was pretty concerning. He only had a 42% snap share, was outsnapped by McKinnon. And that is something that has happened. So that's not like the uh, super concerning part. He was taking most of the early down work and then half of the short yardage snaps. The problem is zero third downs. And then he took uh, zero of the two minute drill snaps. And then we saw uh, McKinnon get both of the goal line opportunities. So if CEH is not getting red zone opportunities, he's not getting goal line carries, he doesn't have that touchdown upside, that is not going to be great for his fantasy value moving forward. And he's just not a reliable option if he's not getting those. So it's possible this was just an off week, you know, a weird kind of personnel thing. So he is going to be on the fringe here. The last two weeks, he's been struggling 9.8 total points. He drastically overachieved early on in the season with touchdowns. So he's someone we just got to be watching. Next week will be pretty telling for CEH. 
He's on the fringe right now, but if you're thinking of sitting him, I don't think it's a crazy idea. On the other side with the 49ers, I have Jeff Wilson listed as a start coming off of a very disappointing game. This could be concerning moving forward. I know someone commented about it. I think I gave them like a decently detailed response, but the 49ers are super banged up on defense. And when they're not able to kind of control the game script, right? Like they want to be a grinded out, rely on their defense, run it a ton, you know, not put the ball in Jimmy's hands. When they go down early, that kind of goes out the window. And it seems like it's pretty likely that that could happen here against the Chiefs. So I still think Wilson is a start, but if this game gets out of hand, it's probably not going to be great for Jeff Wilson. And then, you know, could be a concerning trend moving forward. Then we have the Steelers taking on the Dolphins. I believe this is a uh, Sunday night football game. For Najee Harris, I have him listed as a start, Jalen Warren as a sit. Najee obviously has been very, very disappointing. I do want to kind of dive into his performance against the Bucks. So in terms of like fantasy points, he gives you a decent day. It was kind of saved by a receiving touchdown. Would have been another flop, you know, on his box score. But he gets into the end zone. It counts. You know, the points don't discriminate there. He saw 69% of the snaps, had a 50% route participation, and then had 14 of the 16 carries. So this is a decent workload. Obviously, it's nothing close to what we were expecting, and he can't even be considered anywhere close to where he was drafted. So he obviously is still going to be lacking upside moving forward. 50% raw participation, that's not ideal. It is good that he's getting the bulk of the carries, but this is not going to be a super efficient Steelers offense. They're not going to be scoring a ton of points, and I think he's going to be somewhere in that running back 24 area moving forward, which is probably pretty brutal to hear if you did draft him, you know, late first, early second, but that's just where he's at at this point. On the other side with the Dolphins, I talked about Raheem Mostert as a really strong buy low. He continues to carve out, you know, a really strong role in that Dolphins offense. We've got Tua coming back. If he can just hold on to that role, he's going to be a locked in running back two moving forward. I think he's a start sitting Chase Edmonds. And then the final game of the week, we have the Bears taking on the Patriots. As a Bears fan, this kind of just seems like a game where the Patriots are going to just completely expose the Bears. Not super excited to sit down on a Monday night and watch this one, but I do still think we can start David Montgomery. He's still getting the number one touches for the Bears. Khalil Herbert is kind of nipping at his heels a little bit, but I still think they're going to rely on Montgomery to be the guy. On the other side with the Patriots, we just have to talk about how much of a stud Ramondre Stevenson is. Without Damian Harris in the lineup, Ramondre is a top 10 fantasy back moving forward. He dominated the snaps without Harris. There was always going to be the concern that maybe they just slide someone in to Damian Harris's role. We know Belichick loves to use a committee. I think it really just showed how much Belichick does, you know, like Ramondre as a player. Obviously, him and Harris are both talented, but without Harris, they just gave Ramondre this backfield. 86% snap share, 69% route participation, had 19 of the team's 23 running back carries, turns that into 19 carries, 76 uh, rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, targeted five times, four receptions for 15 yards. So like I said, he's a locked in running back one if Harris is out. And if Harris is back, I still think he's like a mid-tier running back to play, just betting on a talented player in this spot. But that is going to wrap it up for every single week seven matchup. Like I said at the top, if you did enjoy, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I appreciate you guys sticking it out throughout the entire video. I'm also going to have the wide receiver start sit posted today. So go check that out as well. As always, thank you guys for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.